Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have Curdle. <laughs> From the land of Pokemon. I hope that's not the milk. Curdle, <laughs> Curdle. We also have with us today Rossmander. Rossmander. He says his name. That's all I'm going to say there. Oh, darn it. <laughs> the whole podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Steve-A-Dial. Steve-A-Dial, Steve-A-Dial. I think that's how it works. Happy, Not happy, anymore. Joy, joy. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Rob-A-Kate. <laughs> Kate, Kate or Rob. Rob-A-Kate. Rob-A-Kate. <laughs> Not exactly sure what you're doing over there, but you should stop it. Rob a cage. Exactly. <laughs> Hate to see what he evolves to. <laughs> yeah. Confused the man. That's confused for all the wrong reasons. Oh. Well, that's Rob, everybody. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Top Five Podcast. Is that how it goes? I don't think I've ever said that before. Maybe I have. Anyway, uh, now. right? Good stuff. Trending. Um, so today we're doing. Uh, oh, this is episode number seventy-two. Yeah! Turtle girl. No. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> oh my God! So episode seventy-two. Uh, book-wise, we'll be doing. Uh, Agents of the Shield, uh, number two. This is inspired from the TV show. That's part of the title, I think. Uh, Green Arrow, number 49. Invader Zim, number seven. Is that seven? Yep. Okay. Flash, number 49. And Daredevil, number three. Right? <laughs> okay, all right. I think I don't know what the hell's going on. Perfect. Ah, oh god. Okay, so um, we'll start off with a little bit of news from Ross and the dog pile. God damn it! <laughs> um, I guess the first big news that we heard was that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are going to be done on Batman on issue 51. So that's where the boo sounds come in. Yeah, that's too bad. But I have a feeling like it's not the end of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo writing Batman stories. Well, the word is that he's supposed to, that Snyder's supposed to be moving to Detective Comics, which I do think is weird. Because if that's the case, why would you move? You're still doing Batman. What's the difference? <clears throat> Curdle. Curdle. <laughs> 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 he put his hand up and everything to start. I was uh. going to say this. So they go through Batman and then they make it Jim Gordon. I think he's got a lot more stories in the Batman universe that they don't want to bring into Batman. So they're going to move him over there and still have that part of the Batman universe. Oh, okay. Because before he did Batman, he was writing Dick Grayson as Batman in That's Detective right. Comics. That's true. 
So I'm guessing he's got more stories in that vein that he wants to try over there. Right. Want to bring they over there. fit in Detective better than they fit in Batman. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Which, that winds up being the truth, and that'll be fine. If you think about it, that Jim Gordon story could have been a detective. That's true. Yeah. It's about somebody else besides Batman. Besides Batman. Good point. Good point. Okay, I'll take that. Sounds like a, sounds like a plausible and maybe thing. He'll try writing some Batwoman into Batman. Or Detective Comics. When you said the way you said that, it made me sound happy. Where? No, hey. <laughs> it's, it's all right. We don't need to discuss that. Colonel. Yeah, right. But no, because she took over the Detective Comics book for a while when Batman was supposed to be gone. So I guess we might get some more stories for her in the universe with that. And then he could bring in that girl, Bluebird. Yes. Bring her in. Bring Cassandra Kane in. Bring. Right. It's like everything they're doing over in Batman Robin Eternal or Batman Eternal could theoretically happen over in Detective Comics. Mm -hmm. That would or be too bad. Because Batman Eternal's still going. Well, uh, Batman Robin Eternal's happening still, yeah. <clears throat> and that's four times a month. Yeah. So that's a fast-moving story. Maybe he'll take some offshoots from that story, bring them into Detective. Yeah. Well, there's a whole group of them working on that thing, and I don't know who exactly is the, at the top of the chain there, but I would assume he's pretty close to the top. But yeah, Tavolian's working on it, uh, Tomasi's working on it, so like, I want to say there's two other people, but I can't remember the other names, but yeah, there's a whole group of them working on Batman Robin Eternal, just like Batman Eternal was, so as far as like, shakeups concerned, it's all the guys that are writing Batman, so yeah, I can see them taking that turn in Detective and working that way. They have Snyder, Tinian, yep. Fox, Higgins, Seeley. Okay, yeah, so there's a whole group of them doing it. That'd be pretty... Okay, if they take the direct detective that direction, I guess I'll be okay with that. What else well, you got over there, Ross, to break my soul? Um, that's a good question. Let's see. Well, it doesn't have to break it, Ross. God, it can be okay. They're making a new line of action figures for the Batman animated stuff, right? Yeah, they're making some... I, I want to say they're 18-inch figures. It's crazy. But they've got some pretty cool uh, ideas in there. Talking earlier about Batman Beyond with old Bruce Wayne and Ace, which is awesome. And I guess we know about a Christmas Joker too that comes right. with a Christmas tree, like a Charlie Brown style Christmas tree with him. It's funny. And I know I saw Supergirl and Livewire and Batgirl in the yeah. set too, which is all and the animated style. So that's I think that's cool. So are they doing Batman and Superman? I think it's just Batman because I want to say I can't remember if Supergirl ever appeared in the cartoon or not. Yeah. Yeah, but, she showed up in Batman the Animated Series before and she was in anything else. Hmm. So, and I, I, I know Superman showed up in it too, so I imagine if we get characters from that line, they'll be characters that appeared in the Batman show. Like, at least for the beginning of it. But yeah, they've got those going on, and there's going to be a batch of figures being put out for Harley Quinn. Uh, not the animated style, they have a different look to them. But like, one that's got the Power Girl outfit on, the her version of the Power Girl outfit... I saw mm. one that was, wasn't there one that was the animated series version it's, it's of It's got the too. animated series look, but it's not the same figure. Oh, I see. They did do an animated series figure also, but this is a different style figure. But that one's going to have one for his, the, with the Christmas hat on, the Santa hat, one with the Power Girl outfit on, one with the classic, well, now considered classic, Harley Quinn costume. And I want to say the other one is the current costume for her. But the look is all the same style, just with the different costumes. But I don't know. I think the Power Girl one looks awesome. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Should we should we, should we nifty? 
Um, so I guess, uh, what else news-wise, Ross? That's all I can think of, but I know that there's something else that I can't remember. Yeah, yeah there was, there were some numbers turned in for Deadpool, apparently. I guess they're saying over 90 already, so. Over 9,000. That's yep. almost the same thing. But we're already Except doing... for a lot more, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> 9,000 million. Wasn't there, um, we're, we're thinking around 52 is where Rebirth may occur. Oh, for the DC Universe? God, stay on pace, Rob. What does that have to do with Deadpool at all? Oh, sorry. Oh, gosh. Okay, in other news, we do know DC's going to have their their next anniversary being the issue 52s. Is that right? That's, That's not even an anniversary. The anniversary's in September. Well, it's our 52 issue. 52 issue, 52. right. And the issue 50s are supposed to be giant size, so I wonder what they're going to do with the 52s. <laughs> Probably charge more money. Hey! <laughs> See what I say about breaking souls. Perfect. Turtle. <laughs> yes. Steve Adile. Steve Adile. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, oh my gosh. All right. Uh, man, I feel like there's something else too, Ross. That, that 52 thing, though, is it's definitely not confirmed by anyone. I'm for, confirming it right now. For, for there will be an issue 52. Well, yeah, no, for it to be the end. <laughs> Where'd you get the information on that? Rumors online. Not oh. from DC, though. So it wasn't old uh, John Johns? John, what's his name? Jeff yeah. Johns. I'd like it better if his name was John Johns, though. <laughs> It'd be a Pokemon. Isn't that where he gets... <laughs> yeah, it's true. It would be Pokemon, then. John Johns. Right. <laughs> Perfect. I was gonna say I think that was a place you get sandwiches from, but I don't think it was the same name. And that's Jimmy John's. Oh, see. Freaky fast. Freaky fast. Another Pokemon. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, is there any, any more news stuff going on that anybody can think of that, that we know is happening? That's all. That's all I can think of. Okay. I don't. I can't think of anything immediately off the top of my head either. So. You don't sound very happy tonight. Well, it's just, I'm still a little sick, so I yelled at a bunch of people at the Deadpool movie last night. That was because we were doing a quiz thing in the middle of the... Of the <laughs> not, not the old, shut up! No, I do that too, but... Colonel, <laughs> Colonel! <laughs> I don't I don't say that part, but I think oh, it. Oh, my bad. Steve Adile. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. My God. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess in that case, uh, we're moving to books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Anything else over there, Ross? That's it for me. All right, holding it down. That's what I like. (laughs) All right, well, uh, let's go and start with the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., number two. Uh, This is the inspired by the hit TV series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is it really a hit? Uh, you know what? The TV show does okay, I guess. So uh, Since season one got halfway through, yes, it's good. Show of hands, who watches it? Oh, nobody? No, there's, there's at least one. I was going to say, were we actually supposed to raise our hands? These people can't see that. Are you caught up? I about did, just because he said show of hands. I started <laughs> to raise my hand, and then I listened to what he was actually saying. Oh, wait, that's two. See? Oh, my God. Yeah, and I'm not current-current, like uh, maybe the last two episodes... They're on a break again, so I just haven't caught up to it. But I. But other than that, yes, fairly current, and it's it is good. Unless they've changed this book a lot, 
isn't it? It's not so much that it's actually based off of the TV series, as long, except for that it's uh, incorporating a lot of the TV show characters. No, this particular one is different than the one prior. The one okay. prior was a lot more separate. This one has the full cast from the show for the most part. Okay. As far as entities, they've got Deathlock Death, Death running, Death running around with them, and he has the TV show look. So yeah. it's, it's this one is more heavily influenced by that side of things. I mean, yeah, they're not that same universe, Okay, but so the way it, it runs, it's still regular Marvel. Yeah, so it's still Marvel Prime. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, our uh, writer is Mark Guggenheim, and then our artist is uh, Jermaine. God, Pratella? Pratella? I'm looking at you for pronunciation. I can't. Way. I haven't read those names. Prala. Let me see. Prala. Prala. Peralta. Peralta, there you go. Jermaine Peralta. There you go. All right. Now part of the Jackson 5. <laughs> no? Well, he, Jermaine was part of the Jackson 5? Yeah. Not everybody named Jermaine is going to be part of the Jackson 5. Well, not everybody named Michael is either, I don't think. Or, are, are we they? fighting for the same thing right Yeah, now? pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. like, like, like the boat, we're on the same boat. I was about ready to yell, and I'm like, you know what, this guy's stupid, so hopefully not. <laughs> the problem right. is, you're steering forward, I'm steering backwards, all that's happening is we're spinning. Port and aft? Yes. What it's called? Yes. Boat turns nautical? Poop deck. You shut <laughs> up. Oh my god. Alright, anyway, so, book two. Man, this is already out of control. Uh, well, we open up, and we're dealing with Phil Coulson, and... Uh, a uh, woman we met the issue prior, which is similar to something happening in a TV show at the beginning of season three. Uh, however, it's not the same character. Her name is Lola, which you'll know from the car that Colson drives is also named Lola. Weird. Right? Um, but yeah, what we found out is apparently Colson, this is very, uh, if you guys ever read the uh, Justice League Tower of Babylon storyline. Tower of Babel? Tower of Babel, yes. Tower of Babel storyline. This is a very similar concept. What we've got going on is that Coulson, apparently at some point, planned a bunch of ways to stop superheroes in particular. A lot like what Batman did when he figured out ways to defuse all the Justice League. Well, apparently at some point, Coulson did the same thing. Now, unbeknownst to him, because at the time he was thinking about it, it wasn't something that he was like planning to make implement plans. It's just random thoughts. Well, it turns out Lola is a mind reader and was actually working for a separate group um, studying Coulson and gathering intel. So, uh, her placement in things, not, I mean, she's basically lying to him to be his, girlf to be his girlfriend and stealing information. So, hmm. they collected the data that Coulson, or Coulson's plans to take out the different heroes and what forms you would do for it. And, uh, of course, they saved him on a disc and claimed to be hiding it for national security or whatever. Well, now it's been stolen. And so, Coulson, now she's had to come out and explain to Coulson why people know this stuff and where it came from. And he had no idea that it came from him. Uh, so, he's reluctantly working with her in order to try to solve the problem, figure out who's stolen it, and try to get it back. And he's rounded up his agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, we have um, Quake, or Daisy, Fitzin, Fitzsimmons... Um, cast-wise, they have Agent May running around with them, uh, Bobby or uh, Mockingbird, and they all take off with different, he gives them different missions, and uh, he goes and collects the girlfriend from a holding cell, and uh, tells May not to worry that he's had psychic implant barriers put into his head, so at this point, she can't read his mind anymore, 
because he's got implants stopping that from happening. Well, in the process, we wind up dealing with a... Uh, we cut from there to Madripoor. And in Madripoor, we've got a character running around that's uh, called Horus. And Horus, I'm not really aware of if he's existed before or not. I don't know enough to know old heroes to know that. But he looks very Anubisy, And uh, he winds up finding a man in a, a suit that's very much like Iron Man's, like, Mach 4 suit. And the dude pretty well whoops him without even trying and kills him. Then we wind up finding out that Daisy's found a message on the dark net saying this is just proof that we have the proof, we have the tools we have, and we the information we have is going to be available for sale in the next 48 hours. The highest buyer will be will have this much time to pay for it, and then they can start killing heroes. So to set the point that I mean, they kill this horse guy in order to show off that they they can kill heroes and they have all these different ways to stop certain people. And in that group, we know we've got Sam Falcon, Captain America. Um, they show us Iron Man's face, and they show us uh, uh, current girl Thor's face. So the collection of people they can wipe out, apparently, with Coulson's plans is pretty extensive. Uh, so we chase around a little more with that. There's some more conversation stuff in the middle. It, we have some sneaky stuff going on because it's S.H.I.E.L.D., and you never know who's working for who. Um, I'll save that for the story for yourselves. I want to jump over to the point where they decide to... Uh, board another plane that's housing the encryption device that will unlock the data. Because apparently all the Coulson files, or the Coulson Babylon files, have been stored on some type of hard drive you can't copy, so you have to have the security key to be able to use it, otherwise it's no good. So they decide to go steal the key themselves, and we have Fitzsimmons and Bobby basically jumping freefall style from one plane to the other plane, in order to try to get it. Um, we have a little more stuff happen out with... Uh, Coulson and the uh, Lola lady. They drive around in the car and talk about that and how she thinks Coulson's hung up on her because of it. He explains to her what the meaning of the Lola is for the car, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, they run to Madame Mask, and uh, Coulson's interrogating her, trying to get information, and he says the only reason he really wanted Lola with him was because she used her TK ability to collect whatever they wasn't given to him verbally. And so they get a time for this meeting to happen, and there's some more possible treachery that happens in the middle of that. We get another hook at the very end of it. So, I mean, the way it fits, it works a lot like the show does, because you never really know who's really on what side and what point they're doing what what for. Um, it could be a little stronger. I mean, it's not bad. It, it's just, it could be, I, I think it could be stronger. Uh, pacing for it's pretty good. Book-wise, I mean, I give it a three. I do like the Agents Shield show a lot. I like how this fits in that world and in the regular world. Uh, but as far as, like, overall... You know, I think the series could be... I mean, it was only issue two of the new series, so I guess we'll see how it goes. This one I give a three, but I don't know if I... I don't know. I'd be hard-pressed to keep on it, I guess. If I didn't like the show the way I like it. So, good but bad? Does that make sense? I'm going to cut that out of there. Rob, you got a score for this book? <laughs> um, I actually really enjoyed the previous series. And I bumped in and out of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's a pretty interesting show. Um, I like how it interacts with the regular Marvel Universe. It's interesting to have a S.H.I.E.L.D. book that isn't heavily driven by um, Nick Fury. Right. And even though Coulson plays a big role in it, a lot of times it's not his show either. So, I don't know. It's been a pretty fun book, but I, I'd probably give it a three as well. Um, I like where they're going right now. So, <clears throat> Mr. Curtis? Squirtle? I thought you're not a squirtle, though. This is uh, focusing, focusing on... Uh, oh, my bad. 
focuses on crap I don't care about. Oh, um, understandable. I was a huge fan of the Nick Fury Shield. Yeah, I don't like what they've turned into. Uh, it just seems because Nick Fury Shield was more more covert and and under the under the radar. Um, the art in it, take it or leave it. I guess it's. I don't know, Jermaine. I, I think he could be good. It may be because of the colorist or the inker. I don't know. Well, it does have a very the palette tone to it. Mm-hmm. It is a little harsh. Right. And I don't think it helps his pencils. But it's not. It just isn't my bag. Who writes it again? I'm sorry. Uh, Guggenheim. You know it's weird because he's head of the DC shows. Right. So it's just weird to me. But uh, I've always liked his writing. I just don't care enough about it. I'll give it a two and a half. Okay. I really just don't care. Uh, Mr. Ross? I'd probably rate it a three. I I agree with you. I like how it's something from the show, but it fits into the regular Marvel Universe. Right. Uh, Art and story and all that isn't necessarily bad. It's all pretty okay. So, yeah, definitely go to three overall. Cool. Yeah, I think in in general, like like we said, maybe maybe the color palette didn't help so much. And it's not the art's bad. Cause it's not an ugly book. It's just you're dealing with another problem. I think is that you're dealing with characters that are, have a very much human appeal because they are characters based out of a show. That's my problem with it. Right. Is why can't we keep things separate? Well, it, it still fits it, in the regular universe. It's though. it's a grab to get the the viewing audience into comic books. Right. And uh, that's just something that I've never liked. Because then it, it starts warping the comic book to fit the movie universe instead of keeping it separate. Well, so far this one has been pretty pretty good about keeping those things separate. So on issue two, it seems pretty good. Well, they did a previous run that had a similar thing going on. The previous run didn't carry the same title line. The previous run ran 12 issues, and then it ended because of Secret Wars. And they have the same thing happening. That one started out with cameos on top of cameos, though. It was like the very first issue we have Coulson, May. Um, like a look how important we are kind of thing? Well, it was more a matter of like they had, they had other characters with them as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents also. Well, I even hated when the TV show brought in Sif. Oh, okay. She didn't even fit into there. She didn't fit that world at all. I understand why they brought her in. I understand that. But it was stupid to me. Jamie Alexander's gorgeous well i understand that too but it just it was it was just a cash grab all right hey you like thor come check out our tv show because it's crap (laughs) maybe you'll like it better after oh man but that's not true i'll give you the first half of the first season is rough to get through and colson's become such a uh, everybody knows who he is and well, just everybody inside the circle. It's not. Well, it, no, that's a wide ass circle. Well, are you counting us? Because we're not in the universe. What are you talking about? I'm talking about <laughs> in real life, Steve. Everybody knows who he is. <laughs> you mean readership and view the, and followers from uh, viewership? Yes. Okay. He's been in movies. He's in the TV show. Now well, yeah. he's crossing into comic books. Yeah. Leave this crap separate, people. Oh my gosh. Ah. <sighs> Out of control. One thing I did like for the previous run was uh, when they introduced, like, uh, I think it was the Visible Woman. Yeah, issue like four. They put in Sue Storm in there. As, like, a, somebody who's collaborated with S.H.I.E.L.D. in secret for a while. I actually thought that was actually a really cool little touch. I expected to be more focused around the characters that we see in the show. And so I'm actually more interested when they put in the regular universe characters myself. Yeah. 
I think that the newer, I think the main difference between the two series is that series was very cameo heavy, whereas this series seems to be more focused on our main characters from the show. It's possible. And I don't, like I said, as a companion to the show, I mean, it kind of works, but it's not really a companion. It's more of a an integration into the regular universe, because if you love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this gives you a place to get started into it, as the comic books are concerned. So I get what they're doing. Again, I don't, I don't think it's bad. So, but I also like the show after season one, like episode seven. Cat America 2 happened, and that fixed the whole show world for me. <sighs> That's enough of that nonsense. Oh, we kind of have a theme for our books. They're books that have movie or TV show equivalents, I guess. Um, so let's move into uh, Green Arrow. Does that sound like a good idea? Sure. Yeah, all right. Green Arrow, this is number 49. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it's supposed to happen. Oh, my bad. I'll give that to Steve. In number 49. Man. So what? you want to catch people up real quick, Curtis? What is going on with Green Arrow? What is he? Yeah, he's a... He's a dinosaur. No, it's not. He's not. You <laughs> says a liar. Oh, you want the truth? Yes. Oh, uh, I can't handle the truth. I can't think it's from a movie. He's suffering from lycanthropy, which is what? Uh, it turns into a werewolf. Exactly. Man, act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Jeez, make me feel like the drunk guy over here. Okay. All right. Or a mere so he's he's currently he's currently part werewolf, right? He's got it in his bl- blood. Yes. His veins. Very true. Uh, and the writer for this one is uh, Benjamin Percy. Yes. And then uh, art is by... Simon Kurdansky. Good, yes, Simon Kurd or Simone Kurdansky. Simone, maybe. Sorry for not knowing how to say your name. Yes, sir. You're good at pencils. Good, good at what you do. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 this particular storyline is titled Primal Instincts. God, I can't even talk at all. And where we pick up at um, this particular issue is at the front of the courthouse. Front of the courthouse uh, during not really, a, it's not a protest. It's like a uh, we've got a group of people out there cheering on these fellas, all dressed in, all dressed like Mormons is what they dress like. So white shirt, black tie, and they're up there super pissed about this group called the Wargs or Vargs. How you say it? Vargs. Vargs, which of course are the werewolf folks, and these these guys are the. Uh, the Patriots, and uh, Green Arrow's had some problems with them recently because the Patriots don't have a problem killing folks. And uh, while the Vlogs have made bad choices, and a few of them, of course, are, are bad dudes, uh, it doesn't change the fact that the Patriots are just, like, straight-up killing folks. And, of course, Oliver's out in the crowd, and he's not real happy with what's going on. He's angry at the police because the police didn't do anything to the the guys that, the guys from the Patriots that, that killed the people. But they arrested the werewolf guy, which I mean, I guess makes sense also. But you know, I, I don't think that's actually the police either. It, it, well, the guy that's there, it seems to be a, he's he's a detective of some type. Yeah, I don't think it's the police though. No, I think it's some other uh, some other organization or something like that. Now, the way Oliver talks to the guy, he talks to him as, as if uh, there's something he can do something about it. Mm-hmm. But he's like, "Why do you even care, Oliver? You're Oliver. I have a horse in this race, right? You see, boy, dog, horse, same yeah. thing." Does he uh, say I have a dog? Yeah. My bad. <laughs> anyway, we cut from there to a uh, business meeting at the, what looks like a sushi restaurant, and it's Oliver and, and one of his heads, they're trying to make a deal with this scientist to come work for Queen Consolidated Industries or whatever. And during that, Oliver happens to notice one of the guys in the back who has a uh, tattoo of an octopus. Is So, 
when I was reading it, it seemed like Oliver was further away, and it was he wasn't part of that group that was meeting. He's sitting with them, but he's not paying any attention to what's going on. I guess I wasn't either. No. It, where he's look, he's sitting next to the guy, but everything Oliver's paying attention to are all, like, heightened things. Like, he notices the tattoo where he's at because of the werewolf right. and in him. I, because as we read, we see that he sees it's like a octopus yeah. or, or something like that tattooed on the back of this guy's neck, on the hand, and then he takes off after this dude and tackles him through a piece of glass. Well, yeah, he, he winds up following him into the bathroom. But, but the way that it sounds, I must have missed the following part, is there was still a conversation going on with whoever he brought and the scientist dude. Well, the the scientists once once the crash through the wall happens, we basically leave those people all together. We don't see them again until the shooting. Well, somebody was talking when he was crashing through. Well, yeah, his his voiceover is going on, and he's talking about how he doesn't none of the other stuff matters to him. Because I thought they were still talking about Queen Consolidated and all this other crap. Well, he is, but he's not. It's not an actual conversation. It's playing through his head okay. about how that doesn't that he's not interested in what's happening down there. He's more interested in this guy and. His animal, his animal uh, instincts are taking over, and so he doesn't care anything about the meeting at all. And it's a mil- million dollar, five million dollar meeting, but he doesn't care at all, right? Because of the, the, the instincts driving him to hunt this dude, because okay. he knows he's a bad dude, and it's, he's part of another uh, group that's coming to the city, running prostitution and drugs and guns and everything else. And are you familiar with this group? Very little, just because they appeared in the couple issues before this and that's it i mean it's fairly new to, to me okay. whether it's new to the full series or not i don't know i don't know enough to know that okay. but when he comes smashing through the glass with him he's like full on half werewolf mm-hmm. and is tearing the dude up and in the process um the guy gets a couple shots off and of course he doesn't hit oliver because he backflips over him werewolf style and the dude he's there to hire gets shot so the old man the the older the older man that was at the meeting um, who they're trying to hire winds up getting killed in the process. And then Oliver takes the dude through the window and he basically chases after him um, to the window outside. So now they're out in like the alleyway. And the dude winds up getting into a car. And he's like, go, 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 run the thing down. And so like his people, whenever he got smashed through the window, must have taken off and got the car. Because he meets him outside and they try to run Oliver over, which he backflips over the car, also very werewolfy. Hitting his head on the hits, back. Yeah, hits his head, and then he falls down the street, gets back up, getting ready to run after him. And about that time, we see him get shot in the knee with an arrow. So he takes an arrow to the knee. Isn't that a meme? Yeah. yeah Skyrim so, thing. I must have been stupid or confused during that whole... Uh, dialogue? Dialogue with that, because... It seemed disjointed to me. Did it seem disjointed to you? Well, the way it's way it's pictured, we're not following the rest of the conversation. We're following Oliver only. Right. All the other stuff's happening around him, and he's aware of it happening, but it's not... It's like background to it, what's happening in his head. It almost seemed like they completed their business deal, but we were still looking over it while he was doing what he was doing. That's right. how it felt while I was reading it. Well, yeah, and while he's, while he's talking to, him, to himself about it, while he follows the dude into the bathroom... Mm-hmm. He's talking about how important the business meeting is to the business and how important the dollar amount is. And he's like, and all I care about is smashing this guy's head in. Right. So, like, it, it's it, it's still going on when he leaves because he excused himself after the guy next to him is like, hey, where are you at, man? You're a thousand miles away. Right. He's like, I need to go to the bathroom. And off he goes to follow the dude upstairs okay. to 
wind up throwing him out the window. I guess it just seemed way disjointed to me. It kind of is, because what is happening in the meeting doesn't really matter to what's happening in the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's background to it, so it is disjointed, but not in a... I guess I'm going to have to look at it again real quick. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so once he gets shot in the knee with the arrow, or gets hit with the arrow in the knee, he winds up pulling it out, looking up, and we see a figure in the moonlight, and he looks at the arrow, and he's like, tranquilizer, and passes out. I wonder if it's because he smelled it because of his heightened senses. Uh, probably. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not totally sure if they've seen the tranquilizer arrow before or not, but it's a green arrow arrow also, so that tells us who's supposed to be the person shooting him. It looked like a pretty substantial bullet. It's pretty big. On the yeah, too. it's pretty big. Um, so when he wakes up, his dog's there, and he's strapped down to a chair, very Frankenstein-esque. And uh, we have Ellie in there with him. Emmy. 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 And she, uh, if you're not current on what's happening in the story, we found out the Shadow had a daughter with Oliver's father, so she's basically his sister. Yeah, I think it's Robert Queen. Yeah, Robert. Is, is the Robert's father. the father. and So whereas in the TV show he just has a straight-up sister that is mom's connection to somebody else, in the comic books they've given him a sister through the Shadow character who hooked up with his dad at one point. Um, so disjointed and kind of out of nowhere, but like it lands a piece closer to the show, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different than the old Green Arrow continuity. Timeline-wise, yeah. yeah. The, but, the yeah. Longbow Hunter stuff with Shadow, I don't know if it's even canon anymore. No, it's, so, no so it can't be. From the TV show, we had Shadow, who Deathstroke was fawning over. And, mm-hmm. uh, so this is the same character? The mother is the same character. Uh, however, in the show, she's connected to Oliver and to Deathstroke. But but Ollie and Era or Shadow were the same age on the island. Yeah. So she's actually obviously older. Yeah. In in the New Fifty Two continuity, Shadow is actually a bit older than he is. Not so old that he could be or she could be like Ollie's mom, but older than him. Is the new series sharing the same continuity uh, uh, origin wise? It does. But only slightly. Okay, so Ollie still. Sorry. So Ollie was still lost on the island. Ollie still became Green Arrow on the island and then was saved. However, instead of it being you know out on the boat, he wound up having uh, this big expensive party on um, on an oil tanker to kind of show his dad like that he wasn't going to take life seriously. And we had like um, a group of brigands or thieves. Show up on the like pirates, but sort of, not. Yeah. But are essentially, pirates, but, you know. it took it happened on an island. Yeah, he still winds up going on the island. Okay. Now we don't find this out until much later on. But the people who tormented him on the island, not quite as as much as in the show, but they were actually really they were, were connected to Robert Queen, and Robert Queen was there on the island the whole time, actually putting his son through trials. all these trials and challenges. Because he wanted to get Ollie to the point where he would be willing to accept the totem weapon, the Green Arrow, which wound up being a big part of the early half of the series. Sounds dumb. It, you know what? It, it's great when you read it. Okay. The explanation. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. Like, no, the I totem just, stuff wasn't something before, but yeah. the way they did it in the storyline was kind of interesting. But, but like I said earlier, my uh, want to keep shit. Sorry. Sorry. Keep stuff separate. From TV and, and comics, yeah. It... yeah. This the the crazy thing for Green Arrow is that Green Arrow is actually a complete break. Yeah, he's nothing like 
well, okay, he's he's a lot different. Let's try that instead than the Green Arrow that we knew prior to the New Fifty Two, and he's a lot different than the Green Arrow that we know in Arrow. TV series. Yeah. yeah. So this this and the TV show don't really connect at all. No. Like I mean, the idea there's a sister character kind of brings a tie to it, sort of. Just some, but just it's little not similarities that they've sprinkled ones. in. Yeah, that's to it. hopefully catch the viewing audience. Maybe I mean ultimately, if you're a reader and a viewer, and you're trying to make this make sense to that, you'd be completely lost. Nah, all right, it, it because won't. they won't fit. Let's continue with the book that way. We right, can right. talk Afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> so uh, again, he's tied down at the table, very Frankenstein-esque, and he's super pissed and wants her to let him go. She. They have some, like, cool conversation stuff, brother, sister, blah, 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 and we get some interesting stuff out of that, and then she gives him an injection to try to fix things, sort of. Uh, it doesn't heal him, but sedates him a little bit. Not a cure. Just Not a, a cure, like a, I don't know, like a leash. Well, that's what she yeah, says. That's, that's what she says, yeah. That's where I got that from. <laughs> uh, from there, we jump full back over to the uh, the brothers of the uh, Patriots. Or the the Patriots, they're not they're not brothers, but the Patriots. Stupid New England. It well different than a team. Oh, but still, yeah, stupid. <laughs> so, and they're in their little meeting room talking about how great it is that all these people think what they're doing is awesome, and we're getting all this money, and man, they they every send us donations because we're fighting the werewolves. We we got to keep this rolling, and the so they decide they're going to go break out the vlog that was arrested, the one that got in trouble for killing other people. They're going to go break him out. That way they have something to hunt so they can keep getting money. Because that makes perfect sense. Uh, so we get a prison break kind of thing. I'll leave it there because there's some stuff that happens after that that's very cliffhangery. Lead the next issue. So we'll stop there. But it gets pretty, it's pretty intense for a minute. There's a pretty good, I don't know, prison break kind of thing going <clears throat> and on. And dead president masks. And dead president masks, yes. Kind of awesome. Uh, Book-wise, you know, I... I give it a three, three and a quarter. Is that a, can we do that? Three and a quarter? All right. I'm going to say three and a quarter because the storyline, like the pieces I've read before this one, I did not read the book where he first got bit, but I read the issue after that and the issue prior to this issue, which I think is the same book actually. And it's pretty interesting. Like what he was doing, chasing around with the wolf and trying to protect the other animals and like fighting, because he finds a bunch of poachers in, the, in a couple, couple books back. It was, it was awesome. Like this storyline... It's pretty interesting, the idea of him being infected with like lycanthropism. I don't think we've ever seen something like that before, and it makes me reminiscent of Werewolf Cap. I mean, yeah, he's not as feral as that, but nevertheless, what's going on is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I give it a three and a quarter. Like, the art's really stellar. The story's been good so far, so I'm interested to see where it goes and where you know how, how far I take it and what exactly is entailed in a cure, if there is a cure. Uh, Rob, you got a score for the book. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a, I'd give it a three and a half. Actually, I, I really liked what they've done with Green Arrow. It was as as a whole, it's had moments where it's really stellar, and it's had moments where it's really kind of dropped the ball. Um, he's also reinvented himself a lot. Uh, this is probably like the the third change, like really big change that they made to Green Arrow. And so I'm kind of still filling out how I feel about this part of the series. Sure. But I actually think it's I think it's really well done, and I like the idea of actually putting him in this consequential situation where it's not just him looking in at people that are becoming werewolves; it, he's actually a part of the situation. Right. The Curtis. Curdle. Curdle. So reading it, I hated it. 
Oh, man. All right. Um, I was set to give it like a two. But I don't... There's a lot of this artist's work that I don't particularly care for. This one is way better than what I've seen from him. Um, I don't know who Percy is, the writer. Right. But it seems okay. I know he's a novelist. He's written novels. But talking it through more, I like it a little more, but I still don't care about it. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure if I read more prior, I would. But you and you guys know I like werewolves. Right. I'll probably, I'll, dude. I don't know. Two point seven five. Since you threw a quarter in there. Hey, I don't see why not. I'll do it that way. I just, I, I don't care about reading anymore, and I don't, I just don't care. All right. This Ross. It's it's kind of tough for me too. I, I definitely haven't been on the Green Arrow boat for either the show or the book for a while. I know. I keep trying to break you. Uh, You're lucky because it crashes. Yeah, I liked I liked old <laughs> Green a, Arrow. That's a TV yeah. show thing. <laughs> He's the the new Green Arrow in the new Fifty Two. It was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Like if you started off the book the book series. Mm. It was uh, there. There was a lot of times where it was it was rough selling, and then it got really, really good. So, yeah, I would, I would say skip the first volume probably. <laughs> it's too late. Sorry, Ross. Oh, I <laughs> skipped <laughs> all of them. <laughs> anyway, this book, uh, the art's decent in it, um, and I really, really like the werewolves. I don't necessarily like their design for for the werewolves. I like them more animal-looking werewolf. Yeah, me too. Just a crazy-looking dude. But it is crazy that it's even something that's in there. That's happening? Yeah. yeah I would give this one a three mm-hmm. as well, just because of that. Nothing awful about it, but nothing really super great either, I'd say. But I, I would say if, if, you, if you're looking to get into Green Arrow in the New 52, and you want to get a really great story... And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but just jump past the first trade and go right into the second trade. Yeah. Um, you're not going to really have missed a whole lot, ultimately. And the story picks up and goes in a much better direction. Yeah, when Jeff Lemire took over, it, it went a different... It, the, the direction that they were going, I think they were trying to do something different with making him younger. And I don't know if they... It's because they were trying to aim for what the show is doing without knowing what the show is doing. I'm not sure why exactly it went the direction it did. But once once Lemire took over, the show had already been going for, I don't know, a season probably. Yeah. And so the direction of the book just headed another direction entirely and a much grittier artwork, and it fit with what they were doing. So the first batch around to me, a lot cleaner artwork, but the character looked so much like Connor Hawk. And like, like I said, the story wasn't horrible, but at the same time, it was like, what the hell's going on? It almost would have been better had it not been Ollie. Yeah, if it would have been Connor and not Ollie, it would have made more sense. Yeah. See, and Rob and I both preach that you don't need to start at the beginning of a story arc right. or a number one or whatever. Just jump in and do it. Don't do it on this issue because no. yeah, yeah. This, this is not where, a good issue where it at starts all. at. It was very much the middle of things. So we have already gone past him being a werewolf. So if you didn't know that, you wouldn't have any clue where you're exactly. at. Exactly. Yeah, this one I would go back. This to, requires a little more at research. At least two issues before this. I think the uh, Green Arrow Annual is kind of where it all started, oh, correct? Yeah, I think so. I think, so. Yeah. I think it's where you get, get spit, actually. So if you want to get into it, read that one. Um, this will not make you like the character. I guarantee it. Right. But Green Arrow is a good character. 
I can't lie. Uh, I don't care about this guy. I care about Ollie from previous 52. Yeah. So that's understandable. <clears throat> He's, he's. I tried to talk it up. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> well, you're thinking right though. I mean, that's that's the place to check it out. If you're if you're going to get into the issues, go to the annual first and mm -hmm. see what you think of this one. Um, otherwise, I really say go to Green Lantern or Green Arrow Trade Volume Two because that's right. where I think it becomes Which fantastic. May help you develop that liking for this character now. Yeah, I think so. I think just give the first trade to be much better. Because off. Rob says, hey, it's not like the movies. It's not like old Ollie. No. Or the TV show Old Ollie. This is a totally different thing. So. Yeah, it is. Sorry to ramble. <laughs> Sorry, we, we carried that on for a minute. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, let's move on to uh, Invader Zim number seven, Rob. Okay. Tell me a story about Gurr. I'm gonna to try to without giving everything away. For this one, the cool thing is uh, it's got it's got somebody who's pretty important to the to the top five family here. Right. Uh, art artist in the number seven is uh, our buddy Dave Crosslin. Hired me. Hiredmeat.com. Uh, Dave's done some artwork for us in the past, and he's a great guy actually. Like Dave, he's a really fun dude. As far as uh, an individual, he's outstanding, and he's he's a good artist too, so that helps. But yeah, as far as uh, Personality-wise, he's done some work for us. We have some pieces actually hung up in the shop that he did. And he did a couple pieces for us when we were doing the TV show still. Yeah. So, like, dudes, he's a good artist. And he's a fun guy. Like, we've hung out with him in multiple cons. San Diego, quite a few times, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, so this is his first four-way onto the uh, Invader Zim series. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, you know, all the luck to him. Um, it's also written by Kyle Sturks. Starks, I believe. Um, this actually feels just like a regular episode so it's not necessarily caught up in a greater story but uh we actually begin it with uh zim and Gur in their little space courier and they've just gotten out of evidently like a murder mall basically so i guess you get all your weapons and then you try not to die on the way out the door i don't know um and they're on their way back to conquer earth and Gar shows Zim that he uh, he picked up something special as well, and kind of opens like the plate on top of his head, and a giant slug monster like comes popping out, which causes him to scream, and then Gar screams, and then they crash their plane. It's Gur, Rob. Gur, sorry. <laughs> Go on, Curdle. Like <laughs> <laughs> they crash their plane on a moon, and uh, as as the story kind of unfolds, and they're trying to fix the. Uh, the spaceship, whatever is leaking out of it, begins to make like an instant peach tree disc and like just begins the cradle of life right where they're at. And so they have kind of this microcosm of evolution that's taking place like over minutes. And we wind up having a whole civilization that's kind of born with the idea that Zim is some kind of god that he should be worshipped because he's taller than the rest of them. <laughs> Which is a normal theme for the show. And then he wants them to, uh, he always wants them to destroy things, so they, like, get this idea in their head that God only wants them to destroy, and so to make them happy, they have to follow his decisions and destroy things. Yeah. It winds up being a pretty fun little story, ultimately, as they try to fix their ship so we can go back and crush Earth. And, you know, in a way, I guess it probably should teach... Well, that what you say can be misconstrued because <laughs> some of the life grows up with the whole idea that 
the only way to satisfy him as God was to be destroyed by him? To, to be destroyed by him? By him. Not destroy others? Well, you know, they want to try to destroy for him, but they wind up being inept at that. And so then they decide that it's better to just be destroyed by him <clears throat> to make him happy. I was going to say that's kind of parallel to the Crusades, but that last part... That, no, no. That kind of throws a wrench into and, it. And, you know, in, in typical Zim fashion, he really doesn't learn much from from the situation before he takes off to go back to subjugate Earth again. But it's a fun story. Um, plays out pretty well. Hmm. You know, um, I can't say that I'm, like, a huge fan of Invader Zim, but this was a fun story. I'd probably give it... I'd probably give it a, a three, you know, for what it is. I like the visuals on it. I think it's a fun story. It's told in a great visual way. And I feel like, as wacky as it kind of seems, everything kind of makes sense in its own little way. And there's a great slug monster with killer robot fists, mm. which is the best. I don't even know how to explain this panel, how awesome it is. <clears throat> So, oh, I, yeah. I give I give two point two point seven five I think. Right? I like it. No, a three. I'm sorry, I said three earlier. Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Curtis. Personally, because Dave's in it for a personal score, I'll give it a five. But for an overall score, I don't care about Invader Zim. I usually hate the art style of Invader Zim. Wah wah wah. Uh, I'll give it. Professional score of two. Five for Dave, two for the overall theme of it. Well, I, I love the art, and, you know, we you, you're you familiar with Dave Crossland's work. Oh, yeah. Dave, he knocks it out of the park in this issue. Um, but it's just not my thing. I don't I don't care about Invader Zoom. Kind of like the new Ollie. I don't care about the new Ollie. Oh. So I'll give it, you know what, I'll give it, I'll give it a 2.75. Right. Just just like Green Arrow. I'm pretty sure my my theme this week was uh things that have TV show equivalents and things Curtis doesn't care about. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much how I picked yeah, them. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I like Arrow the TV show. I know. I like that, and I liked Old Ollie. I just don't like this. I know. I know. Invaders M. I never watched it. I tried. I just don't care about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you. You Mr. Did. Ross, well, not like clips, not like episodes. Mr. Ross, score for the book, you go. I hate Invaders in. With you passion. hate it for other reasons, though, Ross. With a passion, but the art is awesome in it. And so, just for the art's sake, and I'm sure the writing is good, that the, the guy that's writing it did a good job for what it is. Mm-hmm. He makes accidental ladybug monsters. And then when he, he, he man, what about what? In his writing? <laughs> I, think, I think that's something that's, di- that's something different. Something different. Zim tells him tells Gur not to touch anything. Gur's like, okay, and then immediately touches something, making it way worse. <laughs> awesome. So overall, I will give it a three, just for the art, because the art's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we, again, we may be we may be biased on that statement just because of. Of it being Dave, but nevertheless, that's why I gave it a personal five. I know, I know, I and know. A professional two point seven five. All right, um, man, <laughs> so rough. Uh, I do like Invader Zim. Um, I think Gurr is hilarious. 
Funny thing in the world, a taco-loving robot? This is just like Deadpool, except that he's metal. And wears a dog suit, which is awesome. Um, this particular issue, fun, very standalone. You know, I, I didn't read up most of the ones up to this point. I think one, two, and three I read, and then I didn't read a whole bunch of them between now and then. Um, just, I don't know, I just don't, it's just me, I guess I read too much stuff, so I don't follow through on a lot of stuff, because I'm bad. Anyway, um, so the first three issues in this one, they all, they fit together just fine, but I like, this one is very standalone so if you're going to start now, you'd be fine. If you ever watch the cartoon and like the cartoon at all, you love the book, so, and, and again, I mean, I love, love Dave's work, just in general, so... It does seem that way too. Like it, it does look like it continues on the cartoon really well. Right, which, which is good. Even though I don't like it, that's a good thing. Because <laughs> yeah, what it is, you yeah. Know? yeah. Right, right. Well, overall, I'll give it a three and a half. I mean, again, Dave's outstanding. If you need work done, hiremeat.com. Guys, he's awesome. He's a great dude. Um, but yeah, I give it three and a half. And like I said, if you like the cartoon series, this just picks up just like it's part of it. So. Read on, readers. Is that a thing to say? It is now. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the Flizzlash, the Flash. What the, the hell? Is that? I don't. I don't know. There was a little bit of stutter in there. I think. <laughs> Flizzlash. I think that's something different. Might be a dance move. Uh, squirrel. Yeah. Uh, this is Flash number forty-eight. I think I said forty-nine earlier, but it's actually forty-eight. In case you're. Keeping score at home. Oh. Storyline-wise, uh, of course, this also has a TV show equivalent. Not quite the same thing. There's been quite a bit of ground covered from certain members of the Rogues group and a bunch of ground covered by Barry in the Justice League books. So that gives you a different spin on the where the world's at right now. As the um, world turns. I think that was a... Uh, wasn't that a daytime soap opera? I don't know. <gasps> All right. Uh, well, writers of this one, we got Van Jensen, which we did do. We did an interview with Van uh, yeah. back in, uh, it was last year, last year at Denver Con, right? Yep. Was that the year we did that? Yeah, the introduction of the reverse class. Right. Just, just before he did that. It was Van and Robin Ditty are the guys writing it. Um, as far as pencilers, uh, we've got uh, Jesus Marino, Marano, Marino, I think it's Marino. Uh, but he did the pencils and inks also, so... Artwork's good. Story, I, I, I would say it was good. Um, the way we open this guy up, uh, Barry Allen has been called into uh, work on a particular project. So he's been assigned by the mayor to work with this task force that, at this point, no one else has any idea what's going on with it. And it's very hush-hush and secretive. So whenever Barry shows up, we're dealing with the Detective Daryl. And this is a guy who's worked with The Flash in the past and has worked with Barry in the past. And uh, they're in this crazy warehouse, and Barry's like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this? And uh, he basically lets him know that, well, they're working on a secret project, and that they need the best forensic scientists that they have, and so the mayor gave him Barry. And it's going to be a lot of work for him to do, and he's going to have to get to it quick. And so basically, he brings Barry into the office room to introduce him to the rogues. Which Barry knows very well, because Barry's a Flash. If you didn't know that, giant spoiler. Uh, we enter the rogues, or into the room with the rogues, and we've got the Trickster there, Mirror Master's there, Weather Wizard's there, Captain Cold's there, Golden Glider's there, and they're all like, hey, where have you been, Detective? As if that's somehow normal for them to be hanging out with the cops. And of course, the Flash freaks out, 
or Barry freaks out because he doesn't understand what's going on. He starts questioning the detective about it. He's like, "These guys are all villains. Like, what do you got? What are you doing here?" And then he informs him they're there to catch the Flash uh, because the city has decided that because they don't know who the Flash is and they're not sure if he actually has control of his powers, that they need to, I don't know, put him in line, I guess. And the only way to do that is to capture him. And of course, well, Barry doesn't like that idea so much. Uh, the entire time they're talking, and Barry's like, I can't believe you guys would, would side with Cold like this. And he's like, well, Captain Cold, Snark's been part of the Justice League. Which, if you've read Forever Evil, you know that. Because uh, he was part of the Justice League for a short period of time. And at this point, we don't think he's been excommunicated, we just think he left. So, I guess he could still be part of the League, sort of. But he's still Snark, and he's still Captain Cold, and he still doesn't like the Flash. So now that's changed. Anyway, so uh, the detective advises uh, Barry that he's going to be working through a lot of forensic evidence because they're going to try to find the secret identity of the Flash. And he lets them know they've got a bunch of what they've set up is a bunch of drones to look for the energy signature the Flash leaves when he does he uses his powers to track him, and that once they find him, they're going to send the rogues after him to catch him. And that car doesn't make Barry very very happy either. So. Barry lets him know, well, he'll begrudgingly work for the team, and uh, he has some stuff to take care of. And so he excuses himself while Snart argues over with over the, with the captain of who's going to be in charge of things. And uh, Detective, uh, oh, I said his name, we're going to go, what's his name, Daryl? Yeah. Informs him that Captain Cold's only captain because it sounds cool with Cold. He's not actually a captain at all. And that he's the only captain in the group, because he's a captain with the police department. So we fast forward past that a little bit. We have Barry go meet with his dad, talk to his dad about the problem, and of course, dad's aware of who he is. Um, and the dad's like, "Well, do you have control of your powers?" And he's like, "Well, I think so." Well, there was a big explosion that happened in the previous issue, and of course, we as the viewers know it wasn't exactly the Flash's fault. And we get a little more reveal in the middle of this guy where they line out what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm gonna skip past that just because it's part of the big hook, sort of. Um, there's a little bit of Wally, we get a little bit of Wally West in here, and he's still trying to deal with this idea of how empowers, sort of. So he's still having him go off on him. He's not in the book a lot, but we get a couple panels with him and Iris. And then, of course, we have an incident out at a uh, factory, which is caused by the hook in the middle. And, of course, the Flash shows up to help save people, and who's on his tail but the rogues. And this is a really cool part, because once the Flash is there, he's saving people and pulling him out of the fire, and... The rogues show up and they're straight want to throw down with him. And he's like, well, look, I'm not going to stop saving people. So you guys do whatever you need to do. But there's a fire. And if you guys are here to help or police, you should probably take care of the fire. And so Captain Daryl orders them to take care of the fire. And Snart not real happy about that. Because he actually says, we're not here to be firemen. And all the rogues are not happy about the idea of doing anything but going after the Flash. And he says, well, you're here to work as police, and police protect and serve, so you're going to need to serve. So, begrudgingly, they help put out the fire. Um, prior to doing that, of course, they, Mr. Mr. Freeze freezes, uh, or no, without Mr. Freeze, yeah. Captain Cold blasts Barry in order to get him stuck there. Uh, there's a little more shakedown after that, and a little more argument between him and the, the, the captain. And then, of course, we get the big reveal at the end of the book is what's going on with these fires and how they're getting started. Has to do with someone being trapped in hell against their will that generally hangs out with the rogues. That's going to be enough, I think, for a setup. 
Did you say spoiler and then you just go ahead and spoil it? I didn't spoil it because I didn't tell you who it was. Spoiler's not in that book. She's in Batman. Except for not really. Right she now. does the spoiler alert. Um, the spoiler was that Barry Allen's The Flash. There's. Oh, you drink loud over there, Mr. <sighs> Jerk. Um, I'm, I'm, let me give it a score. In the, I mean, Rob, yeah, you score the book, Rob. Go. Uh, that's okay. Go ahead. Go. He's so angry. I, I just want to throw in there that there was a, a really great connection with this book and the Rogue's Rebellion book that took place during um, Forever Evil. Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just, you know, that Captain Cold's kind of change of heart and who he's kind of becoming. Although in this book, it does seem like he's kind of regressing a little bit. But it, but it relates to the way the other rogues work and how they work with Captain Cold now. So I liked it a lot. I always like seeing the rogues be used appropriately. And this was a kind of fun take. I always like having the trickster in there. And it is a really cool hook at the end. So I, I'd give it I'd give it four. You know, I've, I've enjoyed this run of The Flash. And as much as I... You, you and I talked about this a little bit. I know it's been, I think, a couple issues since Brett... Oh, Brett Booth, Booth was off mm-hmm. was off the book. You know, I love Brett Booth. I love his work. But these little changes he's made to the costumes drive me nuts. Like all these extra lightning bolts that they've been putting on Barry, making me crazy. I just want to go back to just the solid red. We don't need the extra stuff. And I did something similar with Nightwing where he was putting like red eyeliner underneath him. It drove me nuts. I love Brett Booth. No more costume designs for you. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Well, he and, and Brett did not draw this issue again. No. <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Curtis. I'll say that uh, Jesus knocked it out of the park on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the lightning bolt thing stuff either. No, but it looks it looks better, I think, with him. And it it almost looks like he doesn't pencil that in. That's added in on the colors. So I wonder if they could just remove those next time. Is that a hint? Yes. All right. But I've liked... Uh, be cool, but I doubt it. I like Vendetti and Jansen since they were doing some Green Lantern stuff. So it kind of... Uh, I've always liked them, I guess. But uh, I, I am not that big of a fan of Brett Booth. And this is a way better book. I, he, he's good at what he does when he's not doing this. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel you. And this is totally more divergent from the show than Arrow is to Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, this doesn't bring that crap into it. And it, I think it kind of preserves his uh, origin more. And I like that a lot better in this book. And I've actually read more Flash than I have in this new Green Crapo. Uh, um, I, I think the Barry Allen previous to New 52... And this Barry Allen are very similar. Mm-hmm. They didn't change him up as much as they did Green Arrow. You know what I think it is? Hmm. I think people know the Flash and like him better than they ever did the Green Arrow. Because the Green Arrow could not keep a series because he always had to team up with Black Canary. Remember that last series, they had the Green Arrow, and then they changed the Green Arrow to Black Canary. Yeah. yeah. I think it's because he can't survive on his own. And the reason that the Green Arrow has had all these changes is they're trying to find the right voice for the right audience to keep it going. Yeah. They don't They don't need that with the Flash. No, it's true. It's true. You know, so. Flash brings his own audience with him. The only thing that I hate for New 52 is the road that they went with Barry, uh, with Wally West. Hmm. But ultimately, does it hurt the book? Not really. No, but Barry's still Barry. 
So that's right. Yeah, the Barry Allen pieces aren't really similar. different. Yeah. Barry's still similar. I mean, if you're going to lean any part towards the show, it's the Wally West parts. So I will give it. Uh, honestly, yeah, that's. I think that's the best book of the bunch we've had so far. So I'll give it. I don't want to go for three point seven five. All right. <laughs> I like the quarters being in there. It's like counting money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ross? I'm going to agree with Curtis at the end. Uh, give it a 3.75. Everything I, else is BS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think that these were the. This might have been the same team that worked on Brightest Day Flash. It's possible. Um, the art well, seems very similar to me. I really like the Flash as a character, and I even I like the Rogues even more. Right. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Rogues group. Uh, it's a pretty good issue, and, and the Flash is doing a pretty good job. Right on. Um, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll agree with both of you. You're 3, 3.75. Um, I, the art's good in it. Um, I, the cover I love, actually, because it's, it's all the Rogues, and they're holding a wanted sign with the Flash's face on it. Now... I'll give you, I kind of wish the Flash's face looked a little better, but the cover design, awesome. Uh, as far as the setup in the books, I, I like what they're doing with it, and I like how we see the shift and everything, and how sn Snarts, just from the whole thing from Forever Evil, has acquitted himself a level of privilege, simply because of that stuff. And we all know that, I mean, he ha it was all happenstance that he wound up being where he was, and Ultimately, the rogues have their own code, and that was why when the Evil Justice League showed up, things went the way they did. Awesome stories also. If you didn't get a chance to read Rogues of Rebellion, I would definitely suggest it. Yeah. But yeah, as far as the story, like it's a good issue. I mean, Van's awesome. I think both those guys are great. Um, yeah, I give it 3, 3.75. I liked it a lot. Um, so it looks like the last thing we have in the batch is Daredevil. From old Marvel Comics, Rob? Yes. Can you tell me some story about Darren the Devil? <laughs> Darren the Devil. You like wow. how that came out of my mouth pretty good? All right. That was, uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I don't know if I say that or not. It was a thing, though. Daredevil's probably one of my favorite characters. I do have to make a small apology, because there's a part bef that I haven't finished before Secret Wars. So... I don't know how to say, like, I, I don't know exactly how this happened. So, we'll throw it out and get this started. Basically, Daredevil's identity has been revealed pretty extensively. Something at the tail end of the last series, probably before Secret Wars, has kind of overturned that. And we've gone back to only really him and Foggy Nelson knowing the identity of Daredevil. So, it that kind of is a big part of the story. The other half is that as Daredevil has started his new life, he's actually turned the page from being a defense attorney and moved into a prosecution attorney. And he's also become part of the DEA office, the DA office. Sorry, not the DEA, the DA's office. <laughs> Which they gave him probably the worst office you can think of. He's at I think the bottom floor in an elevator shaft. So his Jeez. office is actually the elevator shaft. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, we're also building a whole new villain for him. So instead of dealing with the Kingpin, we're dealing with a new character called the Ten Fingers. Ten Fingers is actually doing something really smart. He's building his crime family out of a church, basically. And he's trying to get the state to see him as a legal church. 
so that not only will he be able to kind of do his underhanded dealings with a certain amount of immunity, he'll also be tax-exempt for it. Jeez. Perfect. So, the other part is, we have a brand new character that is working with Daredevil. Uh, calls himself Blindspot. And he's, I believe, a Chinese illegal immigrant who wound up making himself a, a suit that basically turns him invisible. And Daredevil, you know, of course, can actually see him because he doesn't see as normal people do. Uh, Blindspot has been trying to get Daredevil to deal with the Ten Fingers. Now, previous to this issue, we've actually found out that Blindspot may have more connection to the Ten Fingers than we ever thought before. Yeah, there's some shady stuff going on there. Depending on what... It's hard to say what's true, what's not, just because it's... I mean, I'm sure that's the mystery. And it's still a mystery at this point, even. But yeah, it, it's quite possible he's connected more so than what we're led to believe. But a lot of what we find out in this episode, or this issue is that the Ten Fingers can somehow actually get into your mind and make you want to do things that you normally wouldn't do, like sacrifice your fingers to him. Jeez. Uh, along with that, he's been able to give people powers, which was something that really was throwing off Daredevil for a while. In this particular issue, we see how that's done. And he's evidently... He was either at one point a part of the hand, or the hand had some dealings with him, and he learned how to manipulate their energies. And so he's using the same kind of magics that give the hand their powers to boost up the fighting prowess and the loyalty of his own soldiers. So one of the big things that happens in issue three is the hand comes back to take its power back and is going to descend on Chinatown basically, and wipe out everybody that's connected to the Ten Fingers. And Ten Fingers is such kind of a manipulator, even though everything kind of falls apart in this issue. Uh, he claims that, oh, well, no, no harm will come to you as long as you're loyal to the Ten Fingers. And Daredevil kind of has to become involved in it, and he winds up begrudgingly fighting against the Hand to help save members of the Ten Fingers church group, kind of? Church, church well, group of crime? Defending people that apparently, from what appearances, has been lied to by the Ten Fingers, of course. <laughs> but his big thing is that uh, the Hand, most of their people are dead already. So, you know, the, the only way to preserve life was to fight the Hand. As we kind of go through that, we wind up having Daredevil become even more connected to Blindspot, even leading him to Night Nurse. And we kind of see how this group of people in America, the, these uh, these immigrants, feel like they're just kind of falling through the cracks and that nobody's really standing up for them. And Daredevil's dual identity, you know, he, he kind of feels really torn by that because he wants to do the right thing as in, in the legal side of it. But really, there's nothing he can do about that. And even though he's made strives in actually trying to get rid of the... The Ten Fingers. The criminal element, the yeah. He's, he's kind of fallen back. You know, uh, he had a witness and a few issues ago that wound up being gotten to and betrayed him. And so now at his job, he's kind of falling apart, and he winds up actually being put on uh, basically night court. So he instead of dealing with any actual criminal cases, he's going to be dealing with small claims and stuff, which is going to be a big problem with him being daredevil at night. and he can't very well do both things at the same time. Yes, yes. Um, 
But it all kind of leads up to the very last hook in this issue, where both of his lives will collide in kind of a, uh, a very daring way. So, so far for me, the new start for Daredevil has been fantastic. With with the small portion that I that I missed, you know, I it, it still feels like these are great Daredevil stories. It's nice to be able to bring things down to the local level and not have these big oh the earth's gonna explode if I don't stop this guy from you know doing this to actually have something that's smaller and dealing with more society issues. So I actually think that's really cool. So far, Blindspot's been a really cool character. And, you know, Daredevil has been very synonymous with the Kingpin. And so it's kind of nice to see a new villain that's going to be wrapped up into his stories. So, And it's nice to have him back in New York. So. Uh, was there a score in there, Rob? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> if, give us if one. there wasn't, I'd I give it a uh, 4.25. All right. Um, uh, Curtis, you got a score? You know, Charles Soule is the man writing. Oh, and... man, I didn't even do that. It's all right. I didn't even give any props to the people working on the book. Well, hey, skip right past let, that. Let me do that. All right. So Charles Soule is obviously good, right? Right, he's a good writer, yes. Ron Garney is just a great artist. Right. You put those two together, you get something that I would actually read. Uh, don't get me wrong, Mark Wade and Sammy's Daredevil was okay. It's just not what I look for. This has the dark tone which comes from the colorist, uh, Matt Miller. And the art in it is, it's fantastic, the negative space that's been used. Uh, the placement of the word balloons is just, it, it doesn't obscure the art as much as a lot of books do nowadays. This is the Daredevil that I want. Um, would you give it a 4.25? Yeah. I'll give it a 4. I really, I, it's something that I'm, I'm, I would really enjoy, and seeing that one makes me want to jump back onto Daredevil, and I haven't wanted to do that in a long time because I've always hated Daredevil since the uh, was it Guardian Devil that Kevin Smith did. Oh um, yeah, that's when I started reading Daredevil, so this is getting me back to that feeling of wanting to actually read it. Cool, uh, Mr. Ross. I've never actually been really too big of a, a Daredevil person either. Actually, the only Daredevil I've ever read was a collection of Stan Lee's Daredevil. Oh, that man. That like, really old. Yeah. And the only Daredevil I've watched, I know there's the new TV show and it's really good, but all I've seen is the Ben Affleck movie. Man. No, You know what? That movie's not that bad. No, I, I don't remember not enjoying it. Right. I remember thinking it was fine. There was parts like the Deprivation Chamber and that crap, which I faintly remember that movie. Right. Uh, it wasn't that good, but it wasn't that bad. No, it gets a lot more hate than it deserves. Right. It does. But uh, this, as a standalone thing, without knowing much about Daredevil or any of that, art is really, really good. Uh, writing is great. I would give this one a 3.5. Ooh! All right. Raise the roof. <laughs> Raise the Ross. Before we go too far, did you wind up reading Daredevil versus the Matador? No. No? Okay. Silly I don't think title. so, at least. It was, it was awesome. It's one of those villains that was designed to solely go up against Daredevil. Uh-huh. So I'm glad he hasn't stuck around, but it was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. 
the way that he worked. That's completely sidelined, Rob. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's all right. It's just Stanley. <sighs> yeah, yeah. God. Which is being at the Denver Comic Con this year, it's, uh, maybe. Who? Stanley. Yeah, right. All right. Um, so Daredevil score wise, yeah, I give it three and a half. Also, I mean, it's it's good. It's and it's been fun. Charles Soule's awesome writer. Um, as far as art, art's fantastic. Uh, book wise, I mean, it's been fun. It's cool seeing him have a different sidekick and the way they're building that up. Uh, the look of the sidekick's really cool too. I mean, Blind Spot looks cool. Yeah. Are you done? Yes. Sorry. Did you give a score? Uh, three and a half. So my thing with Daredevil is I've always thought him to be somebody down in the dirt, right? Hell's Kitchen, uh, not somebody standing on the periphery like a Batman would, right? Although Batman does get dirty, but he does a lot of detective work. Oh yeah. Samney's run had the feel of a lot of detective work without getting down and dirty. This is bringing Daredevil back to the down and dirty that I've known Daredevil to be. So that's why I enjoy it. This right. foray into it. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing with is he's doing with all the little people and dealing with the hand and this ten fingers group. It, so it's like, yeah. When, when you said the ten fingers did something really smart, I thought put eight of them down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man! Well, there you go. So, yeah, oh my god. But honestly, if they got legal status to be a church, how would you? What would you do? You yeah. know, like in in that world. It looks really bad when you go busting up a church, mm-hmm. even if regardless of what is, the church is. is yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's a neat. It's a neat angle. I think it's going to be pretty cool. I have a quick question. Mm. Yeah. Has the hand been around for a long time? They have. Oh, yeah. Is that where the foot ninjas from no. Ninja Turtles? Because no. I know. I know and that the there's. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Ninja Turtles that was a parody of Daredevil. I'm going to say that yes, it probably is actually. Yeah. He he probably did take a an idea from from gotcha. this you know it's hard to say because of how how much there actually is connected to that because it was there's no i think secret that eastman was a fan of daredevil and it was kind of a like sidelong joke for a while that the chemical that blinded daredevil was the mutagen and so mm. it wouldn't surprise me that hand and foot yeah oh yeah and he's straight up said but in interviews and stuff that he was parodying daredevil when oh, he yeah. started ninja turtles with, with the being the same stuff that hit yeah, they hit Matt Murdock. Yeah, it's uh, I yeah, I would say it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how long the hand has been around, but it is a really long time Marvel thing. So is it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Well, do some books to watch. Curtis, you got something good over there to watch? Micronauts from IDW. Oh, Micronauts! I've never seen. Uh, I don't know the Bangernauts. I've never right. read it, seen it, but uh, I want to look. I want to look out for that book. Okay. Um, because you talk about them sometimes. Occasionally. Uh, they were a Marvel property, much right. like Rom. Yeah. Alien Predator. Two more books coming out. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, God, something called The Black Road from Brian Wood. Huh. It's about Vikings. So if you like oh. this prior stuff, you'll pick that up. Cool. Oh Lord. That's all I can think of right now. Uh, Ross? Uh, the first ones we talked about last time is they're doing the crazy Hanna-Barbera DC stuff. Right. And I found out a little bit more information about that. Oh, no. Apparently they're not all releasing at the exact same time. Okay. And that there's a chance that there could be more down the line if these ones do good. Like a Jetsons and some other 
kind of things. <laughs> but right. anyway, I guess May, the Scooby-Doo and the Future Quest are both going to come out in May. And the Future Quest in particular, I've been following its creators on Twitter, and both of them have really, really gotten into the cartoons and have been watching, like, all the old Hanna-Barbera action cartoons to get an idea for the book. That's cool. And they, they both say, like, really excited, Birdman's going to be your favorite hero ever after you read this. <laughs> and, like, you it, tell I don't think so, Blue Falcon, all the way? I should have. <laughs> no, I like Birdman. I think Space Ghost is probably going to be the winner there. Herculoids. <laughs> But uh, oh, anyway, yeah. so I, I'd say that, and then I, I just finished the new Batman Ninja Turtles, issue three, and that is the best crossover book I've ever read, ever. Like, it just keeps <laughs> getting... About every crossover oh, man, this one... Read. No, this, this one keeps just getting... <laughs> it just keeps better? getting better and better, and they, they've they grounded it in the continuity of Batman and Ninja Turtles both. So they actually reference previous things in the Ninja Turtles book and previous things in Batman. Like, you know, it'd be cool if we get new Batman or the Batman coming up and they reference the story. Right yeah, now. exactly. That's what I was thinking. It'd be awesome. But I doubt that'll ever happen. You never know. You know, the Turtles could always say Dark Knight or, you know, something like that that's not referencing Batman's name that's trademarked. You know, I guess Batman could say the time we teamed up with Giant Turtles. Yeah. Or those heroes in a half shell. Yeah. But, like that. Did you mention like, Batman saying that? I can, surprisingly enough. Remember the half-shell case, Robin? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You weren't there. <laughs> Slash. You, mean, you mean the escargot, Batman? <laughs> oh. Which, actually, there was a, kind of a hook at the end of this Batman Ninja Turtles, which makes me think Damien is going to show up in it at some point, which is going to be awesome. Hmm. That'll be crazy. Maybe he'll get some mutagen. I don't think actually that's going to happen. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, unlikely. Uh, Raw books to watch. Oh geez. Um, actually, oh, geez. really liked the Daredevil run so far. Uh, Earth Two Society. I still super happy with. Uh, let's see. The uh, Extraordinary X Men is been really really well done so far. I'm actually very happy with it. Um, surprisingly enough. I didn't think I'd like it, but the Power Rangers is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for the next one of that too. I, I kind of feel bad saying that I, that I but you know, it, it was good. It was a good story. Um, shoot, Birthright, and and actually, you know, I think it's still it's still coming. But the Uncanny X Men has been really good. Oh, you know what? Actually, Spider Man, just straight Spider Man with Miles Morales. Way better than I thought. So that's right. another really good one to watch for. So cool. Yeah, I agree with the the Spider Man issue one or it's Spider the new current Spider Man, I guess the Miles Morales book also. Um, I give you Cry Havoc from um, Image Comics. I uh, dig that one so far. Like, we're only one issue in still, but good. Uh, we gotta give a shout out for Black Science uh, for old Mike. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, in Deadly Class. Deadly Class, right? Uh, still digging revival. I think it's awesome. Uh, man, I felt like I had other things. Oh, Old Man Logan issue one, great. Uh, I haven't read two yet. Uh, came out last week, I think. Uh, but yeah, issue one, great. I totally dig that. I say keep an eye out for that one because it was good. There's of course one coming out from IDW. All right, right. Can't forget Rom from IDW. Uh, another 
Marvel book coming back through uh, through the uh, IDW print. So, yeah, look for Rom the Space Knight. Freaking awesome. Anything else, lads? I think that's it. All right, and some tiki? Tiki. Chi-chi. That's something different. Tiki. 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 T